0: Martha. okay okay everybody tie down okay thank you thank you so much ladies and gentlemen i'm doing just great thank you so much bill real i couldn't be better since general conference is over uh, you watched they didn't i know they reduced church from three hours to two hours but they
1: general conference is still the same length
0: it is it used to be longer there used to be more sessions believe it or not but uh more so 10 hours okay. is sufficient okay. for the mortal man
1: yeah, and, and we found some tidbits in a couple of those talks. By the way, folks, uh, I know the numbers will go up here as a little bit of time goes on, but please subscribe. Please like uh, the video. Please leave your comments down below. Or if you're watching uh, this live, please leave them over to the far side over there. Um, we appreciate that. Uh, folks, you can also donate by going to MormonismLive.org. We deeply appreciate uh, donations that help keep this show. Uh, going and and alive and running well and uh, super excited about the stuff we've covered recently but I thought I was in Ohio for the weekend RFM and I thought you know it would probably be necessary to cover general conference but you you have already done all of you sat and you watched prophet seers and revelators for two four six eight ten ten hours that's
0: That's a a lot of revelating it's a
1: lot of hymns a lot of prayers very few women talking
0: Oh my gosh! You know, and during the breaks, I'm hitting the the floor here in the underground bunker doing push-ups. I'm doing anything to keep the blood circulating because it's killing me.
1: Mm, I can only imagine. I probably I would rather fly back and forth to Ohio on an airplane on Frontier in those cram seats where they don't even give courtesy waters anymore. I don't think. And uh, then watch General Conference. I would happily. I'll be. I'll be tribute.
0: Oh my gosh! Just give me the bamboo shoots under the fingernails any day.
1: Yeah, yeah. So we thought we'd jump back into conference. There were four talks that we wanted to spend a little bit more additional time with. And uh, Chinese water torture and would be another thing I'd probably accept after the bamboo shoots. But uh, we found four talks that we thought we should spend a little bit more time on talking about. I think these are things you probably drew attention to, but we'll go into a little more detail tonight. Anything from you before uh, we jump into the program?
0: Jess, that there's a CBS News article today that Martine had drawn my attention to, and even though the name is not mentioned, it appears that Kate Kelly is now a Catholic and her partner. There is a picture, two pictures of them in this um, video. It's the news, right, for CBS, and I think it was from today, and it's announcing that the Pope has just declared that bishops can, or priests, can... um, Bless, I think, is the word they use. Bless same-sex marriages. And, of course, they yeah, have fact, one side, they have the other better. side. But in the middle of it, they've got two pictures of, I'm pretty sure it's Kate Kelly and her partner. The same two people who had the pajama party on Midnight Mormons a few years ago. And I went back and checked those pictures. I think so. So, I don't know why they'd be in this news story unless they're Catholics. Not yeah, that there's it seems anything so wrong strange
1: that. that Kate- That Kate Kelly is in the middle of a picture regarding the news on the Catholic Church. Yeah, it does seem strange. Right. Uh, I was going to try to pull it up, but it ends up with a commercial with Danica Patrick, so I I won't be able to do that. But um, before we, I guess, any thoughts generally on conference outside the four talks we're going to talk about tonight? Any of your impressions since you watched the whole thing?
0: Yeah, I was surprised. And one of the things we're going to be talking about tonight, you called it decoding general conference they're they're all over the place now they're introducing new doctrines new ideas contradictory to the ones that i grew up learning and even contradictory to the canonized scriptures of the lds church in some instances it's just amazing they're going off the rails and i'm not exactly sure why i have some ideas but no certain solutions the one talk that got the most attention was of course the last talk where president Nelson shows up on the big screen he's not there personally apparently he'd gone in my intel is that it was friday evening before general conference started he goes in there he records his his talk and they play it at the end of sunday now notice though of course in retrospect that in every session before that last session on sunday afternoon the last talk of the last session of general conference it's like the last house on the left you find president Nelson living there Well, he shows up, but in every other conference, they begin by announcing that President Nelson can't be there, along with Jeffrey Holland. But President Nelson cannot be there because uh, he had injured himself, but he's watching from home. He can't be here because he's watching from home that Saturday afternoon. Now, Sunday, he can't be here. All the way up to, and they know he's going to be there. That's the thing. They're building it up intentionally so that when he shows up, It's gonna be this huge surprise to the audience. the first time they make any mention of it was right before the hymn, Consider the Lilies, I think it was. I know way too much about this general conference. Oh my gosh. But uh, right before- Uh, I'm
1: grateful you watched it so I wouldn't
0: have to. That became the tagline. Yes, it did. (laughs) That's a lot of people feel that way. I feel that way too. Um, But right before then they say, and our concluding speaker will be, drum roll please. President Russell M. Nelson. And you could hear the gasps of shock going throughout the audience. And like I said, I mean, how is he going to do this? Is he going to show up personally? Is he going to be in a wheelchair? Are they flying him in on a wire? But no, of course, it was just a video. So he shows up and he gives his talk. This has caused the most stir in this general conference of any talk. It's getting a lot of commentary because Mm. it is, frankly, very offensive. And it's very, Insular, let me put it that way. Some people would say it's cultish. I would say, see you last Tuesday, but it's very insular and it's very much don't listen to anybody else and don't take any advice from anybody else unless they're a believing member of the church. So, what we want to do is we're going to talk about a few other talks before then, make some comments. We're going to conclude with President Nelson's talk and we want to at that point open the lines. We always open the lines at the end of the show. But specifically here for people to call in about their impressions about what president nelson said you could talk about anything but this is the main thing because people are really upset about this and frankly from my point of view i was not able to appreciate all the different relationships that this talk impacted negatively Mm. so this will be a chance for you to talk about that if you wish yeah great point
1: so we're going to start with elder uh renlund's talk and so i'm going to add this up onto the screen <clears throat>
0: elder renfield elder renfield so uh here we go when
2: Here's i was eight, eight years old oh, sorry. i was baptized by my father afterwards i held his hand as we we're going to cross a busy street i wasn't paying attention and stepped from the curb just as a big truck came rumbling by. My father jerked me back out of the street and onto the curb. Oh. If he had not done so, I'd have been hit by the truck. <laughs> Knowing my own mischievous nature, I Excuse thought- Excuse me. Maybe it would have been better for me to be killed by the truck, because I'll never be as clean as I am now right after my baptism.
0: That's the point.
2: As an eight-year-old, I had mistakenly presumed that the water of baptism washed away sins.
0: Mistakenly?
2: Not so. Not so. Since my baptism, I've learned that sins are cleansed by the power of Jesus Christ through his atoning sacrifice as we make and keep the baptismal covenant. Then, through the gift of repentance, we can remain clean. I've also learned that this sacrament brings a powerful virtuous cycle into our lives, enabling us to retain a remission of our sins.
1: The, the only moment in Mormonism where you feel like you are enough. <laughs> it's the only moment you feel like you you qualified. You did it. You got there. You you're celestial material I'm is when you're eight years old, or in my case, 17. And you get, uh, by the by the uh, mode of immersion, you get dunked into the baptismal font, and the water gives me a remission of my sins and washes my sins away. And I, I sort of thought maybe Elder Renland Elder was doing the same thing that's been done in the past, which says, like, it's not the water, it's, it's the power of the ordinance, it's being done by authority. We'll get into a quote from Brigham Young that right. says that. But as I listen to it over and over again, he clearly says that baptism doesn't wash your sins away it doesn't give you a remission of sins what does is your effort afterward to keep the covenant specifically through the sacrament
0: right it was a strange thing because there are two schools of thought and two different lines of scriptures on the subject one is which one of which is that the baptism in the water cleanses you and you'll find references for that and the other is that it's the confirmation in the gift of the Holy ghost received immediately after baptism. Like Joseph Smith said, you might as well baptize a bag of sand as a man, if not done in view of giving him the Holy ghost. Right. and that's where I thought he was going to go, but he shocks me. He shocks me by saying being baptized does not wash away your sins. Now. Yeah. We get that. that Jesus is involved, right? There's got to be some power there. We got a priesthood power, but I've never, ever in my life heard, in the LDS church, in all my readings, or all my listenings, or all my viewings, this idea that Elder Renlund has just propounded, that baptism does not wash your sins away. In fact, it it goes against, uh, I think you and or Maven went and did some research and found, I mean, all the different statements, right? There's millions of them. And you found a sampling of statements that say exactly the opposite of what Elder Renfield (laughs) just said in general conference.
1: Yeah, so here's a, section. This is, again, I've used the URL at the top. So we got churchofjesuschrist.org, study manual, the gospel, baptism in the Holy Ghost. When you are baptized, you receive a remission of your sins. When you are baptized, your sins are washed away. While While baptism washes you of your sins, the Holy Ghost sanctifies or purifies you. We all get this. This is standard Mormon doctrine. We all understand this. We've been taught this over and over again.
0: What is the fourth article of faith that little kids have to memorize?
1: Yeah, if I skip, there's a whole bunch of them. By the way, there are tons of references. Uh, arise and be baptized and wash thy sin, wash away thy sins. Baptism is cleansing. Baptized for the remission of sins. Be baptized and wash away your sins. This isn't me saying that. This is the church teaching it.
0: Okay, quick test. This is a this is a pop quiz for you, Bill. Real. What is the fourth article of faith? Could you recite that for the class? Oh, still, it'll please? be easy
1: since it's up on the screen. It'll be. Oh, there it
3: is. <laughs> we
1: believe that the first principles and ordinances of the gospel are first. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. What's number two? Second, repentance. Third, baptism by immersion for
0: the remission of sins. Fourth, laying on of the hands for the gift of the Holy Ghost. I don't know. That looks pretty clear to me. It looks pretty straightforward. I don't see how anyone could misunderstand that. So we said, leading up to this show, we put out our thumbnail to
1: promote the show, and we said that there are two new doctrines that came forth in this general conference This is one of them that while prior to Elder Renlund's talk, baptism was for the remission of sins, and it washed your sins away, and it cleansed you, today that doctrine is no longer what the church believes. What the church believes today is that baptism doesn't do that. It is only your effort afterward to continually meet the bar of the Mormon gospel that you uh, have the effect of being cleansed, as you take the sacrament, as you repent, as you utilize the atoning power of Jesus Christ, and as you live the gospel, including tithing, if you live the gospel, um, then you have it. And so what they've done effectively is made it so that there's no moment in all of your life in Mormonism where you feel like you,
0: that you, that you're okay, that you're clean and you're ready to meet God. Um. I know. And I look at this and I think, okay, Elder Renland or Ren- Renfield. You know that what you're saying is a departure. I mean, I've got to give him that much credit, right? He, he sets grown it up, up in the right? He's the he joke was, to set it up. He was baptized when he was eight for crying out loud. And this mm-hmm. is a common meme in Mormonism. You're never as ba- uh, as clean as when, right after you're baptized, right? With me was 18, you're 17. You think you get killed right then? You know, you're going straight to the celestial kingdom because you haven't had time to commit sin but he knows he's changing this and then the question then comes to my to my mind why what is the point that you're trying to make that is so important that you're willing to subvert established doctrine in this church and what do you
1: think what do you think the reasons are for that like what do you think that could be
0: all i can think of is what came to my mind when i was uh doing the shows this weekend and i'd like to hear other people's thoughts too but He doesn't want there to be any point in a person's membership or life where they are not entirely dependent upon the LDS church. And they always want to have the question of whether you have done enough to be saved, to be unanswerable and hanging over your head like the sword of Damocles. Maven?
4: I just wanted to pop up as, I mean, both of you guys are converts, um, and so you got this from the missionaries. I was a missionary and this is what I taught, so I just, that was my first thought as we as we were talking about this earlier, was this is very clear that we spent a lot of time in Preach My Gospel on this lesson, you know, on committing people to baptism. I think we, at least I thought I knew what baptism was and what it meant when I was representing this church uh, to other people and, and encouraging them towards this ordinance. So yeah, I was, I was quite surprised as well.
0: Yeah. And the way he frames it right is that not that, Hey, I'm announcing a new doctrine. It's just, I was so dumb when I was eight. I thought that baptism washed away my sins. (laughs) Can you believe that?
1: Ha ha ha. And then, and then he tells you the new doctrine and you're right. It's intentional because he sets it up with a joke. And by the way, it's so strange to me that Mormonism is so unhealthy That practically every eight-year-old and every convert sort of thinks about it might be best if I die right now. And then Elder Inland just made it worse. (laughs) Like like he took this thing that prompts us all to think like after our baptism, maybe we should just decease on this moment and go to heaven. And then he makes it clear that we'll just never be worthy. We'll just never exactly be worthy.
0: No, and the only thing that makes it worse is when you step back and think this is coming from the guy who's had his second anointing who does believe that he has he's in like Flynn he can't do anything unless he gets really you know creative that's going to keep that from happening to be exalted and he's talking to everybody else who hasn't received their second anointing yeah it
1: does seem uh, a little strong so folks there's your first new doctrine baptism no
0: longer cleanses you right Maybe. because think, you got to yeah. keep going oh, i'm sorry yeah. maven go ahead
4: um no i was i was just going to say i Someone on the Reddit uh, had pointed out that they think the church uh, or the, the leaders, um, what was it, like that they hate the members or they feel a lot of contempt for them. And this is something that you guys have brought up before, but um, I I was just feeling that way with this, too, because it just seems like no matter what, either you're being like really patronized and condescended to like this, like, boy, if you thought this, you were like a, you were like dumb eight year old me, you know, silly you. And then. Uh, you know, or it's this—you know—this kind of lecturing that I feel like we got from from the others. We'll go over Oaks and Nelson, which is just like, you know, you're wrong. You're, I, I, you know, just the members of the church. You're you're just your little children. You're so wrong. You're so stupid. You thought you understood things, but really, did you? It's a good thing I'm here to straighten you out on really basic things that you thought you understood. And
0: yeah, there's I also a hint of in that. that
4: yeah, I wanted to give a shout out to Expo shirts. This is this I've got the evil apostate shirt, uh, and I felt like it was fitting because of conference. So I put the link in the chat if you guys also want an evil apostate shirt. And like I said, yeah, I, I, I this kind of harkens to Nelson, but um it just it seemed appropriate. So, yeah, that's it
0: well, cool. the the, the message I'm getting loud and clear is that there's no point at which you can count on your salvation, and you are completely dependent on the church and going to church every freaking week, doing everything you're supposed to do, partaking of the sacrament, repenting, all that stuff. That's what you've got to do to have your sins remitted. So it is this symbiotic or dysfunctional, depending on how you look at it, relationship between the member and the church that I'm hearing in this talk. And and as
1: you point out, these 15 men get this ordinance that tells them that they are washed clean of the sins of this generation, that they don't, there's nothing really, I mean, minus whatever murder or denying the Holy ghost. There's nothing they could do that would take them off that list. And so with their ability to be like, no, nope, I made it. Like, I don't have anything to worry about mm-hmm. here. You have renland telling eight year old children that they should also stress over the very moment they get baptized, that it's still not, not cutting it.
0: Yes. Not, yeah. Not even being involved in questionable business dealings with Tim Ballard will get you kicked out. If Once you've received your second scandal. anointing.
1: Yeah. Scandals with the SEC, denying electroshock therapy. None of it matters. Like, the only thing that matters is that the top 15 and a bunch of the 70 have a certain privilege, and the rest of us need to sweat it out by the by the sweat of our brows among thistles and thorns all the days of our lives.
0: Evil apostate.
4: I'm just yeah, I'm just liking this um child children's songbook. Less I think we all if we if we have had any experience in the as children, we can all sing this in our heads. I'm not going to over the line, but yeah.
0: Apparently yeah. that's in the children's songbook. I know when I am baptized yeah. my sins are washed away. Well, guess yeah. what, children's songbook? You're wrong. I got it wrong. Elder Renlund is right, and you need to rewrite that lyric. And I wouldn't be surprised.
1: You know, there are moments in the church where someone gives a general conference talk and it's edited. Ronald Pullman being the great example. But Boyd K. Packer made a uh, a reference around uh, the, gay and, the gay and lesbian issue um, that was altered in the print edition of the Enzyme when it came out. I would, Why because- would
0: a loving Heavenly Father do that?
1: Yeah, <laughs> I can imagine that what Elder Renlund said is so contradictory to actual doctrine, so established in print that I could see them adding some sort of clarifier to it.
0: Maybe, um, I mean, where is the correlation committee? What are we paying these guys for? Yeah, they're letting things slip in. By the way, I just want to note, we're going to go into our second new
1: doctrine here next. I just want to note, it feels like the church contradicting its own teachings is the pace has picked up on that. And I only have to wonder if we go another hundred years, how much contradiction there's going to be. And they have to sort of sense that you can do that once or twice. You you do that 30 times, 40 times, 50 times, you really kind of cut yourself off at the knees, don't you?
0: Yeah, it's almost like being tossed about with every wind of doctrine and cunning craftiness and the slight of men whereby they lie in wait to deceive, isn't it? Sort of sounds a lot like that, doesn't it? Yeah, it just comes to mind. So that was the
1: first new doctrine. And then the second one, the second one here is Elder Oaks, who, again, we'll Elder talk
3: Oaks.
0: about this. El- oh, sorry. Yeah, we'll- Elder Oaks, who took a break last conference <laughs> to repeat mind numbingly just sequential random sayings of Jesus. That was his entire talk. He took one conference off from his favorite hobby horse. But now here he is back again. With the freaking family proclamation and the one line in it that is, in my opinion, first off, it's 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 new doctrine. I did an entire show on this years ago when it first well, not when it first came out, but when one of the times he was banging the drum on it. Yeah. And it's just like he's making doctrine out of nothing at all. It's the yeah. one line that he always quotes from it. And, and in my opinion, there's no doctrinal basis for this line. But this is the one line that is the obvious anti-gay uh, uh, line sentiment that's put in there, and my belief is this is the one line around which the rest of the proclamation was written. So is I it just
4: anti-gay wanted... or like anti-trans.
0: Yeah, that too. I'm so sorry. Yeah, anti-different people. Pro-straight. Yeah.
4: Pro-cisgender. <laughs>
1: So, just FYI, yeah. whatever you just said there—the last minute and a half of what you said—we're going to cut that and we're going to place it on the back end of this conversation because this is actually the one quote on the kingdoms and um, what laws get followed. So the gender the gender right. issue is attached to the Nelson thing at the end. Yes, uh, but this is a new doctrine, I think, and we'll talk about this as it as we get to the end of this one, but. Uh, There are two quotes from Oaks that we'll use tonight. Yeah, yeah.
0: That's the boat of Theseus, I think. Or the ship, whatever. Here's. (laughs) What?
1: Here's, here's Elder Oaks.
0: (laughs) This is the best I've ever heard him. No can hear. Oh,
5: oh, oh, this is, I got it. All describes. Let's, uh, let me
1: rewind this here. Sorry about that. That's. I should have picked up on when you said this is the best you ever heard him, that he wasn't talking. (laughs) (laughs) The Apostle
5: Paul describes the three degrees of glory, likening them to the glories of the sun, moon, and stars. He names the highest celestial and the second terrestrial. He does not name the lowest, but a revelation to Joseph Smith added its name telestial. That revelation also describes the nature of the persons to be assigned to each of these.
0: Can I just can I just say that when could you when, take this off point five?
1: I know it, it does seem like with every conference <laughs> these old guys talk slower and slower, doesn't it? Yes. I just want to note that when we gave when we did public speaking, I, I took public speaking uh, classes in high school and I took them in college. Hmm. Um, we were taught one of the things is the old adage that you picture everyone naked when you give a talk and you'll be more comfortable. What I like to do when I listen to general conference talks with the top 15 is I like to picture them naked and uh, you know, Oh, that's good. If, you know, look, if you just picture him naked, it makes, it makes him talking just a little more entertaining. Cause I can, I can only fathom what's what's underneath that loose suit. That's barely hanging onto his to him. So
5: <laughs> kingdoms of glory. Those who do not choose, quote, to abide the law of a celestial kingdom will inherit another kingdom of glory, lesser than the celestial, but suited to the laws they have chosen and can comfortably abide.
0: Okay, right there. Thank you. That
5: word abide... Can we stop there? ...in the scriptures.
0: Yes, because this is the thing that jumped out at me when I'm listening to it. He seems to be talking about there are laws in each of the kingdoms that we have to abide. And I'd actually never thought about this before. I don't think I've ever heard it or remember. I know I I don't remember having ever heard it or read it anywhere. Certainly, I'm aware of the idea that there are laws that pertain to the kingdoms, and we get to choose, right? We get to choose which kingdom we're going to go to depending upon how we live our lives and how we line up with that sometimes somewhat vague and ambiguous description of the different inheritors of the three kingdoms given in section 76, right? What I have never heard is that once we're in there, we continue to have to abide the laws that pertain to that kingdom. And he's talking about being comfortable there. Now he goes on and he talks about being comfortable there, or uh, what is it he says, where we're comfortable? Is that what he says? Or what was it? You uh, the only thing
1: I could do is play it again if you would like,
0: but... No, no, God, I don't. God help us. Don't do that, please. <laughs> um, but uh, but he goes on to talk about the, the normal thing that we hear about is that the glory is different, right? And so we can abide the glory that we're there. Yeah, I've heard that too. But I went from hearing it the one way the first time, the way I just described, and then I listened to it again. I thought, is he just talking about the glory? And then I go back and listen to it. Says no, it's talking about the law. I think... he. All I can say is that a very reasonable and straightforward understanding of what he's saying, regardless of what's going on in the head of his, is that there are laws in the different kingdoms that we have to abide. And I had never really thought about this before. I don't know that it's, well, is it true? I don't know. If you're in the celestial kingdom and you slip up and you do something that's not celestial, what happens? (laughs) Do the celestial police show up on your doorstep? And tell you you can't, you know, you can't you can't go to church anymore because you've been trespassed? I don't know what happens. And the same thing with the terrestrial and the T Jill. So what happens there if you have a law there that now you're comfortable abiding, because you chose that law, right? So obviously it's the one that you're comfortable living. So you get to go to the kingdom. Apparently, what he's saying, where that law continues, what happens if you screw up? Do you go to jail? Do you get beat with rubber hoses? It shouldn't hurt because we're all in resurrected bodies now. Which we'll get into later, what those look like. Oh, yeah. It shouldn't hurt, right? And we will get into those resurrected bodies. You're right. But is he suggesting, because you keep playing this out in your head, if you're in the telestial kingdom and you don't keep the law, what happens to you? Do you get booted out? Do you get demoted to a lower kingdom? Terrestrial kingdom, do you get demoted to the telestial kingdom? It's the only thing I can think of that would make sense as a consequence of not keeping a law that pertains there. Same thing with the celestial kingdom. If you keep a terrestrial law, which is not celestial, believe me, do you get demoted to that kingdom? And I think that's a dangerous idea because all of a sudden now, if you can can get demoted from a kingdom by obeying the law of a lesser kingdom, i.e. violating the law of the current kingdom, then who's to say you can't progress from a lower kingdom to a higher kingdom by keeping the law of the higher kingdom. This is someplace I don't think they want to go.
1: Yeah, what he describes sounds like eternal regression if you don't keep the laws. You're pointing that out. Um, There are several leaders on the record. I think Orson F. Whitney is one of them. There are several leaders on the record who promoted the idea of eternal progression. And there are other moments in the church where the leaders in higher authority, highest authority at the moment, Stomped that down. In fact, I think even David Bednar, I think, is the most recent one who maybe seven, eight, nine, ten years ago made a reference to it has been said by some that we can progress through the kingdoms. And he said he said something to the effect of that's not true.
0: And right, so the orchard Church, Whitney quote, the tentacles of divine love, remember those tentacles, they will come out and take your wayward child and bring them home to you in the celestial kingdom if you live up to your. Your covenants, right? Yeah. And of course, we did the whole historic review of that and saw that that came from Orson F. Whitney, who in the days of Joseph Smith, remember, Joseph Smith in the Whitney family used and perhaps created that doctrine in order to talk to the parents. You'll have to help me with the name of this particular young woman that he wanted to marry, right? I think last name was Whitney, but he goes and he wants to marry her. And he assures the parents of eternal salvation. But the problem is, is that there's a brother. Sarah. Is his name Horace? I don't know. Okay, we'll see. But uh, And he's not happy about this situation at all. He is very, very upset about it. He's leaving the church over it. And so Joseph Smith says to the parents, it's okay. It's okay. Because if you get this super ceiling that I'm going to give to you in exchange for, you know, your daughter in marriage, then that ceiling will not only save you, and your righteous posterity, but even your son will be saved by virtue of the sealing, even if he leaves the church over it. And that teaching got handed down and then voiced by Orson F. Whitney in General Conference in a memorable way. I mean, who can't forget the tentacles of divine love? It's like 20,000 leagues under the sea. And that comes up every now and again in conference. And I think you're right. The most recent was David Bednar. And I just wanna know,
1: somebody. Made the comment, you put it up on the screen there, Maven, but it did strike me that when I was listening to this, again, just like the baptism one we played before from Elder Renland, uh, it seems to me that one thing that this causes is that even when I get to heaven, I just, I gotta bust my ass every day still. Like I can't ever take a break. I just, it's, it's gonna be me with another set of rules and a whole other set of laws. And I just gotta keep hitting the pavement and trying to, trying to, you know, trying to do the thing that keeps me there for another day. And it just seems like Mormonism is now this eternal effort that you never get to just stop and pass out and take a nap on, ever.
0: No, traditionally, heaven was a place where you could rest from your labors. Now it's just the eternal hamster wheel of Mormonism.
1: Yeah. And and if the church is going to, on one hand, say, no, 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 we know some leaders taught it, but eternal progression is a no no. That's not real doctrine. That's just fallible leaders speaking their opinion. Do
0: you, you mean like in lower kingdoms?
1: Yeah. Well, or the three kingdoms in the celestial kingdom, maybe.
0: Right. The two underneath. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: But at the very but if you're going to have no eternal progression, then you ought to probably think twice before you have Elder Oaks. Uh, sorry, I should point it the opposite direction. So it goes to the thing. But. Um, you should be really careful of having Elder Oaks teach eternal regression because it's sort of two sides of the same coin.
0: It's like he hasn't thought out the consequences of what it is he's teaching. Jay Tumway says, no rest for the wicked from uh, Isaiah. But Mormonism one-ups Isaiah and says, no rest for the righteous.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, Elder Oaks gives this, it certainly makes it it just seem strange. I mean, you and I would have grown up knowing that, This is the probationary state, right? That's also doctrine. That's also theology. This is the place to prove ourselves to God, that whatever ability we had to keep the commandments, do the right thing, live the gospel, and with a caveat of sort of based on what we knew to be right and wrong, right? Like somebody born outside the church sort of has a chance later on, but people in the church sort of under a kind of a higher requirement in the mortal life. But that once we got to the other side and we were given final judgment delivered to the kingdom we're going to have, that we sort of had already made it clear what kind of human being we were going to be and that we wouldn't, we would just be in that kingdom and we that's where we would belong. We've been told that that's where you'll feel comfortable. That's the place you'll be. Um, that each of these kingdoms is beyond imagination of how how nice they are and how amazing they are and that... We would just go to the telestial or terrestrial kingdom and go, all right, this is home. I'm going to make myself comfortable because I've got a long time to be here. And what Elder Oaks is saying is that the moment you get there, that law continues and don't dare mess up because something has to happen if you do.
0: Right. And we don't have the clip, but there is the place in the talk where Elder Oaks, of all people, with amazing lack of self-awareness, quotes the description of those who inherit the telestial kingdom. That's the lowest kingdom of glory for those of you who don't know, just above uh, outer darkness, as liars and adulterers and those who love and make a lie. Elder Hmm. Oaks said that. Elder Oaks quoted that to the world. This is the guy who publicly said that no conversion therapy was going on at BYU while he was president of BYU. And then, which, by the way, is totally not true. Lesser minds might call it a lie. I don't know. But then later on, a few days later, because it was making a bit of a a buzz, Mm -hmm. he was confronted by his people with the facts that, yeah, it had been going on. So if you, it was in response to a question, it was at, uh, was at University of Virginia uh, law school or something like that, just a year ago, Mm -hmm. he was given the opportunity to correct his statement. Yeah. And I'm he sure he corrected
1: know. the record. He had yeah. to have corrected the record.
0: No, he doesn't. He no. says, "I'm going to let my first statement stand." That is a knowing, intentional a lie. falsehood. Yes, and this is a guy who's reading the description of the people who inherit the telestial kingdom, and you look at that description, and you look at Elder Oaks' picture, and you go, "Yep, they match."
1: This is also the guy who continued the practice of signing off on deceptive dummy companies in the sec scandal which also seems like a deep amount of dishonesty
0: yeah um he's a crook
1: yeah and he's the guy telling everyone else what the standards are sooner or later rfm you do
0: say the thing and (laughs) he's a crook i'm telling you (laughs) that elder oak is a (laughs) crook he's the one
1: guy guilty of not keeping the celestial law to the entire audience he's talking about. And he's the guy who gets to tell us what makes it and what doesn't and which laws will have to be uh, abided by.
0: Uh, He's Tom Hayden in the Godfather. Oh yeah. When they do the remake, the part of elder Oaks will be played by who Robert Duvall,
1: Robert Duvall. Yeah. Tom Hayden, the lawyer for the, uh, for the family. Yeah. It's gotta be. Yeah. Hmm. And, One lawyer to another, huh? Okay, well, there's your second new doctrine. Sort of seems confusing. I think the church may want to reconsider whether they want to open the can of worms of eternal regression because there has to, if you go to a kingdom and uh, there are laws there that you must abide, his words, not mine, you must abide, then if there's not a penalty, the only other way around it is that it's forced obedience Hence, there's no agency in those kingdoms. Hence, we're all just robots, right? We're just all obligated to do every little thing that is said for us to do. We have no choice. That doesn't make any sense, even in the lower two kingdoms, based on the gospel and theology and doctrine. Hence, we have to be able to break the law still, if that's the new rule. And if we break the law, there must be consequences. And the only consequence that makes any sense is that we're not allowed to reside in that kingdom anymore. Hence, eternal
0: regression. Yeah. That's a door that's best left unopened, but I'm not the one who opened it.
1: No. And again, back to the thing I said earlier, these guys are just starting now almost on a, almost on a, like every couple of months to say something that contradicts old material. And I don't remember in my lifetime, the rapidity of that, the, the consistency uh, of that happening on a regular basis. It, it seems as though because it's not true hence there is no real consistency to it that they're almost kind of showing their cards. If you pay attention and they're just going like, none of this makes sense. We're just saying what we think in the moment. And now it's so big and so expansive, all the things we've said that we can't help, but stumble over the things we've said before.
0: Right. And I would push back gently and just say, just because something is not true, doesn't mean that it can't be consistent. Yeah, but they can't do that either. And I don't know what's going on. It's so strange. The first big example of this was in November of 2015. First big example in recent memory, which is where they did the policy of exclusion, which violated, I identified three fundamental doctrines of the LDS church and of scripture. They were so upset about the Supreme Court decision legalizing gay marriage or finding it constitutional that they issued a statement that violated their own doctrine on three fronts. And now they're they're just continuing to do it. I, I don't know if it's a competition or what.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, we could just list them, but it comes to mind. You know, David Bednar turning free agency into moral agency seems like a big one. It seems so, like a big one. Free yes, agency is. was such a big part of Mormon doctrine prior to him saying that. The baptism washes away your sins seems so central to Mormon theology and doctrine. And Christianity. It's not that they are just changing doctrine and contradicting themselves. They are contradicting themselves on the very basic, absolute premises on on which Mormonism was established. And it almost, again, I don't think they're doing this, but it almost feels to me like they're just trying to see how much they can say that contradicts the truth of what they used to teach. Not that it was true, but they established it as the truth to see if we're paying attention and if we'll call them out on it. And at this point, they almost have to feel like they could get away with anything.
0: Well, I think they can get away with anything. And I think that's been demonstrated over and over again. Yeah. What's next up on the, the list there, Bill. So now we've got uh Christopher Waddle. Here's another thing the... we're getting away with. You Christopher, Christopher Waddle in the football game of general conference, he is blocking for M. Russell Ballard. <laughs> yeah, did we
4: not do yeah. the second one from Oaks, or did we just... Did I... The that? second
0: one from Oaks, we're going to use with the
1: Nelson conversation at the end.
4: Ah, uh, okay, perfect. Yeah, Got
1: it'll it. it'll fit it'll fit right in there when we all sip on our smoothies.
4: I've been waiting for that one. <laughs>
1: okay, all right. So this is Christopher Waddle. Um, I'm looking forward to my one.
0: tropical uh kavana smoothie. It's oh, Kavanaugh's you won't want a real put your- bird, and it starts with a K.
1: You may not want to put your lips on this smoothie, so
0: we'll see. (laughs) Okay, so here's hero worship. This is what I was looking for. I was wondering, everybody was wondering, are they going to address the Tim Ballard fiasco scandal that's going on right now that threatens to embroil M. Russell Ballard, the acting president of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles, in it? And that whole statement that they issued on behalf of President Ballard on September 15th, this is two weeks later, And we're in general conference. And not only did I knew they weren't going to mention Tim Ballard's name, right? They're not going to do that. But I was wondering how they were going to address the issue in an oblique way. And here comes Dewey Waddle. It's not even oblique. It's totally obvious. His entire talk is about Tim Ballard and blocking for M. Russell Ballard and saying, don't worship heroes, guys. Don't worship these secular heroes. Do not get involved in this hero worship. There's only one being that should be worshipped, and that's M. Russell I mean, it's Jesus, right? That's the only people who should be worshipped. And he just went on and on and on until I went, okay, you can stop. It's clear enough now what you're saying. Tim Ballard, bad. M. Russell Ballard, good.
1: And I broke this up into about four or five parts here. Um, so here's the first uh, part of this conversation.
6: Events which impact our lives and even the course of history are frequently the result of decisions and achievements of individual men and women. Great artists, scientists, business leaders, and even politicians. These extraordinary individuals are often honored as heroes. Even
0: child sex traffickers. Memorials
6: built to commemorate their exploits.
0: Um, <laughs> oh even yeah! I'd say everybody except what Tim Ballard is to make it obvious who you're talking about.
1: Yeah, it seems strange. They sort of put politicians in a different category, right? Like there's there's these really good people, and even from time to time, a politician rises above the ranks.
0: Yeah, it's it's hard to hard to find those, but yeah, right. I, sure. But scientists, you know, athletes. He starts with athletes. But he's talking about the guy who's not an athlete, a scientist, or a politician yet.
1: There's a good face. Look, that's a great freeze frame there. Oh, um,
0: poor guy. Yeah.
1: capture. All right. So this is, he talks about, uh, he further talks about the, the child. Then we'll get into kind of the substance of it. But this is, I thought was When I was a young boy,
6: my first heroes were athletes. My earliest memories are collecting baseball cards with the pictures and statistics of Major League Baseball players. Hero worship as a child can be fun and even innocent, such as children dressing up as their favorite superheroes for Halloween.
0: Yes. By the way, this is the guy who got into money and finance. It just happens so often. Accountants, they are, they love baseball, and it's not just the cards, right? It's not just the pictures. It's the statistics. Sorry, it doesn't really—it's not really here or there, but I just find that so expected. From a guy who rises to great heights and wealth, I I hope. Um, working with money for the church, you know, it all starts out in baseball and all those stats.
1: I the only thing I noted with this particular segment, not that it's a big deal, I don't think it is, but to note that he allows whatever he's about to teach is sin or risky or threat to our testimonies. Mm-hmm. He justifies for the child to do. And generally when we think of sin, we think of sin as not ever good or, or uh, anything uh, unhealthy uh, to do shouldn't be okay for children to do either. And I just, I thought it was sort of strange to say like, Hey, it's, it's fun and innocent and great for children to have heroes and to, to have that kind of moment in their childhood to do that. But when we get to adults, now it gets really risky. This is where the bad things happen
0: it does and there's been a number of comments you putting up, you've been putting up that I'll just synopsize by saying he does not mention prophets and apostles in his mm-hmm. list of people who should not be worshiped
1: no right for some reason though they, they stay on the list so here's where he gets into it and here he talks about the uh, the golden calf
0: and i can't hear that but I want to say thanks to rb for the great uh, donation we should, we be calling out these, uh, what do you call them? The super chats, super chats. Yeah. We, I, I, at very least, I'm glad we're putting off on the screen. If if you want, like when we see them,
1: we can certainly note them. I, I want, would want to, uh, certainly signify appreciation for the folks who are doing that. It means a lot to our show.
0: Yeah. So we'll work on the volume here behind the scenes and hopefully it'll work this time. We've got it. Yay. Golden Although
6: cat. We admire and respect many talented and remarkable men and women for their abilities and contributions The degree to which they are revered, if taken to an excess, can be the equivalent of the children of Israel worshiping a golden calf in the desert of Sinai. As adults, what was once innocent childhood fun can become a stumbling block when hero worship of politicians, bloggers, influencers, athletes, or musicians causes us to look beyond the mark and lose sight of what is truly essential. For the children of Israel, The challenge was not the gold that they brought with them on their journey to the promised land, but rather what they allowed the gold to become. Whoa,
0: whoa, whoa. Wait a second. Wait a second. Can we stop the tape right there? Please. Can you go back and replay that again? Because notice that I hadn't even picked up on this. He's got to make this distinction, right? The church has got $157 billion in the bank. He's talking about the golden calf, which he he has to keep reminding himself, don't say golden Tim. Don't say golden Tim. Say golden calf. But notice what he said, it's not the gold. The gold was not the problem that they took with them. It's that they made it into a calf. Did you catch that Bill? Here, yeah. try it again.
4: It yeah. makes sense now, why well, the EPA fund is totally fine. It's they totally didn't make fine. it a calf.
0: It's all good. If you caught my performance on 60 Minutes a few months ago, I'm addressing that here.
6: This us to look beyond the mark and lose sight of what is truly essential. For the children of Israel, the challenge was not the gold that they brought with them on their journey to the promised land, but rather what they allowed the gold to become, an idol, which then became the object of their worship, turning their attention away from Jehovah, who had parted the Red Sea and delivered them from bondage. Their focus on the calf impacted their ability to worship the true God. The hero— our hero Tim Ballard. now and always is Jesus Christ. And anything or anyone that distracts us from his Tim teachings Ballard. as found in the scriptures and through the words of living prophets can negatively impact our progress on the covenant path.
0: Okay. Somebody look me in the eyes and tell me he's not talking about Tim Ballard. Hmm.
4: Well, i i wanted to add that the church loves it when there are celebrities that are mormon so when he brings up musicians i was thinking you know of david archuleta you know up up until not anymore right, right. and then um when Mitt romney was running for president they were happy to have you know some attention for that and i just yeah when there's and yeah if there's if there's anyone an influencer or blogger the church loves its little celebrities and they they love putting them in their magazines and you know and then actually having to take them down when when they end up leaving like Mindy Gledhill or or Paul Cardall and you know but like but they do this themselves in the church so it's not even just like the Tim Ballard stuff but they they love jumping on on the the wagon train of somebody that that Happens to be Mormon that gets a lot of attention.
0: Maven, I don't know if you heard Elder Rasband's talk, but he did it just this general conference. He said, Everybody, guess who's in the house? It's Donny Osmond.
4: Nope, I, missed. I only have watched the clips that you guys put together because that's all I could have the bandwidth for. So, right yeah, here, ladies and gentlemen,
0: Donny Osmond's Another in the house. He didn't put it quite that way, but he did acknowledge right. that he was present in the audience. <laughs>
1: Also, I just I just it's saw an article here. recently that was the Killers uh, that were kind of yeah. uh, promoted by the church because they're a, a band of Latter Day Saints, and unlike uh, like lead singer Imagine Dragons, uh, Dan Reynolds, who has uh, certainly made his criticism of the church clearly known, the Killers have uh, seemingly continued to be faithful and believe, and uh, ch- the church recently celebrated on some level their their faith and. Uh, in a church periodical or church news, Deseret News or something. But what strikes me, and again, I don't want to get off track. This is sort of a side tangent. But I was at a birthday party for my uh, grand, two of my grandchildren, uh, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, whatever it was. And I had my, I had a lot of friends over, a lot of folks over that knew our family. And one of those was my old boss and friend, Chris Bloxham. And I, w- he was uh, sitting right behind me, and he said, "Bill, Bill." He goes. Have you ever thought how some these some of these stories that we were taught that now that you're not a believer anymore, how ridiculous they are? And I said, "What do you mean? Like, tell me. Like, I, yes, I understand the this uh, David being told by Saul that if he wanted to marry his daughter, he should go kill the Philistines and fetch a hundred foreskins, and then he goes and does the job, except that he comes back with two hundred. Uh, which you know, if you picture the story happening, you're just like that." seems pretty absurd,
0: but well, like Johnny Lingo, but she was a 204 skin woman.
1: Yeah. She, yes. And, uh, this story is even more absurd. Moses parts the red sea. He parts it. He, he puts his staff down and the water just vacates the middle and, uh, the people just walk on through. And then shortly thereafter, they don't trust the guy anymore. And they're trying to figure out their own way around things that if, if you or me were there and we literally walk behind Moses through, through the red sea being parted, the, I guarantee it. I'm just telling you folks, the rest of my life, the rest of my life, I'm going, I don't care what the hell you people say. I'm following that guy. That guy's the guy I'm following. He did shit. I ain't ever seen before. That guy's done stuff that, that I couldn't do. And I'm just, you guys can make uh, a golden cow, but you're going to be making it on your own. I'm. And have nothing to do with that. And the reality is that nobody, nobody in that, like maybe two guys, but nobody would do that. That's that's. It's an absurd story. The these stories were created; they're myth stories. They're there to pass down tradition and information, but they're not. They were never really meant to be literal stories. And when you sit with like the stripling warriors or the Tower of Babel, or Babel, when you get to uh, the Great Flood this is just one more story that makes zero sense in light of like common sense and rational thinking. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Next well, one I like here. Fit
0: parts of Edward G Robinson and Vincent price in the movie. Yeah. I mean, these do make for good movies. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to pot the red scene, huh? Yeah. I think he played that fictional part of Nathan. Wasn't that his name? Anyway, in the comment section, if anybody remembers
1: who, Who cuts 200 200 on the dot? Like he was supposed to bring 100. He doesn't bring 103 just in case he dropped a few on the way. He brings a whole other 100. And then you got to like shake the bag out. There's always going to be a one or two that, especially with the blood, is going to be sticking at the bottom of the bag. And so you got to reach in, you got to pull them out and throw them down. 200. Now, who counted those? 200. You know, it just, it makes no sense.
0: So I have no idea. I always picture them as sort of, you know, sewn together in some kind of, Attractive necklace.
1: My my friend Block, they you have to figure out what you're gonna do with them. My friend Bloxham said back in those days they didn't have the rubber bands to hold the broccoli together at the grocery store. So maybe that's what they were using them for. I don't I don't know. Just a a little a little ring, you know, just to keep the broccoli together at the market. I don't yes, know. There's I don't know. no
0: conversation, however high, which a quote from Chris Bloxham will not elevate. <laughs> All right. So here's the next one. We've got
1: two <laughs> more Chris. folks.
6: In our most recent general conference, President Russell M. Nelson reminded us, whatever questions or problems you have, the answer is always found in the life and teachings of Jesus Christ.
0: Okay, so so ridiculous. Really, no matter what question you have, you're going to find it in the life of Jesus? What is the square root of 873? Mark chapter 5, verse 23. Look it up.
1: What is the depth of the Pacific Ocean?
0: That would be in the Gospel of John, I believe.
1: Um, how <laughs> many stars are there in this solar system?
0: Oh, that's in Moses chapter one. I know that one. They're numberless.
6: <laughs> what he said no, is to be ridiculous. Fair, I don't think
4: it's a, stuff like that's not really going to impact your life much but i think maybe questions more along like should i marry this person should i take this job what should i study in school those Mm -hmm. those would be found in the life of jesus i think those are the kinds of questions that would be more worthy
0: well jesus collected baseball cards when he was a kid i understand and went into finance
1: i don't even know why we pay attention to these guys anyway comic books are going to have more value than the things these guys say eventually he should have said that about the baseball cards it's true. Uh,
0: yes, it is true.
1: All right. So then there's one more from this one. Uh, let me pull that.
0: And if you think that we are beating a dead horse on Dewey Waddle, think about what he's doing on Tim Ballard, because that's what he's doing from beginning to end of his talk. This is just making the case beginning to end, this is all about Tim Ballard and Duluth Reba. Duluth Reba, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Nine ninety nine. Thank you so much. By the way, if you want to ask a question or anything or make a comment, and your oh, what are these? super chats? Yeah, we'll read those, won't we, Bill?
1: Yeah, we will.
0: Duluth Reba, awesome. Um, and
1: she's the the lady who we made that short from, if I remember right. No, it's not. i the wrong person. I'm sorry. I think no, it's different.
4: Person. Yeah. But she's very active in the chat and and participates. I see her. A bunch. And, and that yeah. she's great. Yeah.
0: She's a regular, isn't she? What was well, the name should... of that lady again, Maven? I think you know because that was the first short that you made and took her you name, a long her time. Her name
4: is Ruth. And I Ruth. don't think we know her last Ruth. name, but I, I just I recognized her voice as soon as I heard it. So And that's
0: why because we have the components of Ruth in that name, Duluth Reba. I'm that's sure that's what happened.
1: What... And we should be making shorts with Duluth Reba uh, as part of what we do. So here's the here's the other one.
6: In our complex world, it can be tempting to turn to society's heroes in an effort to provide clarity to life when it may seem confusing or even overwhelming. We buy the clothes they sponsor. We embrace the politics they espouse and we follow their suggestions as shared on social media. This might be. I'm going
0: to ponderize yeah. that one. Well, I think you should think celestial. It's kind of funny. It's obvious he's talking about Tim Ballard. We're beating the dead horse, but it is funny that he talks about uh, wearing, what is it? The clothing that they endorse. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And at the end of this whole thing, President Nelson is going to go up and say Think Celestial more times than you could possibly imagine that those two words could appear in one general conference talk. That was Sunday afternoon at the end. Already, the Internet is teeming with Think Celestial merchandise.
4: I just want to know if clothing endorsements include underwear.
0: Yeah. garments. Sorry. (laughs) Good point. Good point. He's got them on. We all did.
6: version but we must be watchful that this form of hero worship does not become our golden calf choosing the right hero has eternal consequences
1: so should i choose the heroes that don't tell the truth that lie all the time that change doctrines on a whim
0: probably not those
1: ones either though
0: those are my favorite heroes
1: all right let me get my crap off the screen there so <clears throat> the the last one we're going to go into, and then we'll take the phone calls. I'll put the banner up now. Um, and I do need to
0: get into the... Um, you get into whatever you need to get into, and I'll read the number okay. It is right, 662 sweet. Mormons on your dial, otherwise known as... Waiting for it to come around again. I guess <laughs> I don't have it memorized, and I don't want to say it wrong. Join the call-in portion of the show. Call 662 667 666 Seven. that's six, six, two, six, six, seven, six, 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 seven, or six, six, two Mormons, uh, with an S as you would normally have in a plural word like that. Sweet.
1: All right. So then the last one here, we're going to play one more bit from elder Oaks. Uh, and this was the one that you were, you were talking about, but the, the famous money line from the family proclamation True. that this guy can't, uh, can't say enough of. So um, we'll put that up on the screen, and we'll kind of set the stage for this final conversation. Uh, here we go.
5: Revelation, God has revealed the eternal laws, ordinances, and covenants that must be observed to develop the godly attributes necessary to realize this divine potential. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints focuses on these— because the purpose of this restored Church is to prepare God's children for salvation in the celestial glory and, more particularly, for exaltation in its highest degree. God's plan, founded on eternal truth, requires that exaltation can be attained only through faithfulness to the covenants of an eternal marriage between a man and a woman in the Holy Temple, which marriage will ultimately be available to all the faithful. That is why we teach that, quote, gender is an essential characteristic of individual premortal, mortal, and eternal identity and purpose.
1: Okay, so he teaches... That gender is eternal through the pre-earth life, mortal probation, and in the eternities, regardless of what kingdom you get, because he
3: doesn't—he
1: uh, doesn't distinguish between uh, a celestial glory versus a celestial-terrestrial. No matter what, statement. eternal. That is the point of the family proclamation that he makes over and over again, and that sets up this conversation because. That seems to be very different from what Nelson communicates, and that seems to be very different from what another prophet in the past has communicated. Uh, but Nelson, being in this very one, and so let me grab um, grab his here. If
0: I yeah, go ahead, it. by the way, there were a couple of comments that went up with super chats. I'd hate to make a promise and then violate it so quickly. Wendy Nelson. Gives us twenty dollars. Says, "Keep up the good work." Thank you, Wendy Nelson, for watching the show. I hope President Nelson is watching along with you. (laughs) Wendy, yeah, Wendy Olson. Oh, it's Olson. (laughs) It's Olson. I'm sorry. There was something before this too that actually even had a question from Andrew Lundgren. Ten dollars from Andrew Lundgren. He says, "If I had to choose one word to describe this conference, especially okay, my memory is not. Can you put that one back up? We put it back up for a second, please."
4: Especially
0: Sorry, Russell- accidentally- Oh, it's cool. and Nelson's talk. I would have a hard time choosing between vile and myopic. What word would you choose? Well, I don't know what word I would choose, but it did occur to me that frequently we get the analogy with the LDS church about the wizard of Oz. And you got the big, great and powerful Oz out there. And then Toto pulls back the curtain. You see, it's just a little old man. who's very nice, actually pulling all the levers. We use that a lot in the LDS church. And for good reason, this last talk with uh, president Nelson, It's like the exact opposite of that. It's like the great and powerful Oz is this nice man who's just this illusion. And then Toto pulls back the curtain. You see what's really going on. It's this monster pulling the levers. Uh, Finally, finally, President Nelson was in enough pain and on enough pain relievers, the medication, that he wasn't able to keep up the facade. And we got to see the real President Nelson. And it's not pretty. That's my answer to that question. What do you think, Bill? Uh, excuse me i i I never before you put that i
1: i constantly am aware that these men are not kind and nice uh in their teachings or the things they say and that they contradict themselves all the time that they seem to be lying repeatedly that they seem to not care about the harm that they cause to children and adults so i sort of this come becomes par for the course i've probably for the last uh, six, seven, eight years, recognize that they're all pretty much monsters behind the curtain.
0: Mm. Yeah, this 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 is a really unfortunate screen grab.
1: Yeah, this is a uh, 99-year-old prophet seer and revelator, boys and girls, children. Uh, ladies and gentlemen. You of a this reminds song that
0: starts off with in the cool of the evening when everything is getting kind of groovy. This, I think that's it, guy... Stephen Yost or somebody? You know the song, uh, don't you? No, I don't know the song. Love is kind of crazy with a spooky little prophet like you.
1: (laughs) He he looks like he's got one foot one foot in the grave. I hope he's doing well. Obviously, he put his back out, but he is ninety nine years old. I mean, I give him
0: credit for anything. Can you imagine do at that age? It's amazing to me, and I'm glad he showed up in the chair. Uh, I understand. Yeah, like I said, I understand this was done on Friday night. I was thinking if this was me, if this were I, technically, sorry, mom, who uh, had have a back injury, right? And I'm the president of the church. I'm going to show up no matter what. I don't care if they got to wheel me in. I'm going to be there. And he kind of did the same thing. So I want to give him some credit for that. But that's about the only thing I can give him credit for regarding this talk. Philip Blair, you want to read this one, Bill? Uh, I wish to speak in my own behalf mm-hmm. and
1: not to have it thought to be defect for Jesus Christ did the same. And therefore I cannot be blamed. Christ had John and I have George King James sixteen seventeen. Bible was
0: 1611. That's cool. Yeah. I, I thought that somebody in the Beatles once said that too. <laughs> so here is
1: president Nelson. He sets up his talk by talking about the three things that will determine, uh, determine essentially how we live or where we live. So, mm-hmm.
7: Mortality is a master class in learning to choose the things of greatest eternal import. Far too many people live as though this life is all there is. However, your choices today will determine three things where you will live throughout all eternity, the kind of body with which you will be resurrected and those with whom you will live forever. So
1: think celestial.
0: There it is. Think celestial.
1: So the, the third or the second thing he says is the resurrected body that we will receive. So he is pointing to this idea that, and we know this, right? Is it, uh, First Corinthians chapter fifteen verse twenty nine is the else what shall you be do with is baptized for the dead and is mm-hmm. in another place in that same chapter if I'm not mistaken where they talk about bodies uh, celestial bodies terrestrial and as you point out I don't think celestial is mentioned but that is an afterthought uh, commentary by Joseph Smith to name it celestial supposedly uh, uh, I guess by revelation but this idea that we have different bodies. Sort of plays into this old doctrine that we've all heard inklings of um maven what's what's the the doctrine we're speaking of here?
4: oh, well, I actually had a different comment, but Please. yeah, Please. but it's the t it's the k smoothie is what you're referring TK to right mm-hmm. yeah i am um, I wanted to put up this quote here, and I, I know this wasn't the part of the, that we were really focusing on this, but when i just i thought of it too when he says, you know people act like this life is the only one there is. Um, So P wayfaring woman says, can you imagine wasting this life because you think something is waiting for you on the other side? And that's something that I feel too. And that has been a a real, a real flip um, as far as paradigms go in leaving the church is just having so much more to live for and so much more reason to enjoy life. And it's all in, I think, good ways or ways that as a Mormon, I would have considered good. You know, the the perception is it's the eat, drink and be merry, which is basically sex, drugs and rock and roll. But um, yeah, there was so much about being a Mormon that I just felt like life was not being lived at all with this idea of one coming after and and that's what we're seeing with with families with what we're going to share you know with what he says that um it i don't know it just seems it seems fine to ruin families in this life if you if you think that it's going to somehow be fixed and you'll get them in the next life it's just very sad Mm, that's it totally
1: yeah but we we can get back
4: to what we're actually meant to talk about (laughs) was yeah the type of body that we have
1: the tk smoothie and if folks have never heard of the tk smoothie it is called the TK smoothie because it is the telestial tea, terrestrial T terrestrial T K kingdom uh, smoothie, and this goes back to a teaching. Now remember the Elder Oaks quote we played just a minute ago, where gender is eternal in the pre-mortal, mortal, and post-mortal lives. It's why it's why Elder Oaks says we are unable to change our doctrine to accommodate the LGBTQ community. But Joseph Fielding Smith in Doctrines of Salvation, Volume 2, RFM, would you like to read this?
0: Sure, absolutely. By the way, I did read these shortly after I got back from my mission, if not on my mission. So I was familiar with this, and it makes perfect sense within the Mormon paradigm. Yeah, that, yeah it doesn't make perfect <laughs> sense. To <laughs> so here's what he says. And by the way, this is just a collection of his teachings Another writings or speeches he gave was made by his son-in-law, Bruce R. McConkie, as a homage to his Uh, father-in-law. In In both of these kingdoms, this is Joseph Fielding Smith, apostle, prophet, church historian, the Book of Mormon answer man for everybody in the 1950s and 60s. In both of these kingdoms, that's like, I think you said, the T and the T, the terrestrial and telestial. In both of these kingdoms, there will be changes in the bodies and limitations. Whatever do you mean? He goes on. Some of the functions in the celestial body will not appear in the terrestrial body, neither in the telestial body. And the power of procreation will be removed.
1: How would you remove the power of procreation?
0: Um, Because if people like have gonna genitals, go-
1: they're going to do it.
0: And in case uh, he's not hinting hard enough, (laughs) he goes on. I take it that men and women will, in these kingdoms, be neither man nor woman, merely immortal beings having received the resurrection. Wait a minute. Isn't gender eternal? No. Well, not according to Joseph Fielding Smith. According to the proclamation on the family, with which Elder Oaks quotes, you know, every chance he gets that one line out of it is if he didn't write the damn thing. He quotes it, and it he we didn't get the quote, the the entire clip, but he says this is founded on irrevocable doctrine. He's trying to pound that as hard as he can. He wants to cement it so it will live forever after. His demise. However, this is an interesting contradiction because Elder Oaks brings that up. President Nelson brings up the idea of bodies in these kingdoms, which harkens back to Joseph Fielding Smith's teaching, which totally contradicts what Elder Oaks said. Mm. Maven?
4: My thought was that it's interesting that it's not only the celestial kingdom that is created to be, I think, what we all understand to be a, a cis-heterosexual male's version of heaven with polygamy and eternal sex and you know, procreation, which, of course, his body is not going to be doing. He go, he only gets the fun part. Right. Um, and I think this is just kind of the reverse of that. Like what what could be worse to a man who, you know, than than losing your penis? So that's what you guys get. Got me so nervous. Just, I might go back to church. Just, I just think everything about this is just so penis focused. It's that's what that's what you get. If you're in the celestial kingdom, you you just get, you know, just eternal. You have a harem of, you know, sexual toys that they're all there for you um, and you get to use it. Right. And, and they're populating worlds. So you're going to be very it seems like this would be something that you'll be very do, busy doing a lot of that. Maybe maybe this is your primary thing. So it just really does seem like heaven is, again, for these men. It, lots and lots of sex and and hell or, or lesser heavens is going to be, well, you don't get to, because you don't even have one. So there. And I just thought it was interesting in some of the comments being made um, uh, on Reddit. Someone had, I think, put this up. Um, or no, it, it was a different meme somebody had made that was like, if you don't you know follow Rusty, you're going to lose your ding dong. And the, I think the top comment the last time I saw it was, um, you know, it was a trans joke because, the, the, and all it said was promise. You know, yeah, it's like that's not a threat <laughs> to some people. So you know, like, yeah, there's that. That's there's, that's exactly what they're trying to go for in this life. So it's kind of funny that they get all this hate for this when it's like, you. That's not okay for you to do, and that's exactly what's going to happen to you, like in heaven. And then also, I just I think for women in general, I know I don't I I can't speak for all women, and I know and and I haven't had children, so I I know for a lot of women that having children is um. You know, is, is really amazing of course but i mean ideally i'm guessing that in heaven the 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 pain of childbirth would not be there so i perhaps there are women that would actually like to be able to have like pain free childbirth in heaven but i think um i just just as a woman it, our reproductive organs cause us so much pain and harm and and with pregnancy especially it's just it's very dangerous and so Throughout all of history, like it's been childbirth that has been like the number one early killer of women uh, since the, as far back as we go, I think. So
3: mm-hmm. to
4: be like it's again, it's just so focused, so male focused that they, they it doesn't even ever occur to them. I think that for a lot of women, it's like, oh, no no genitals, no uterus, you know, um, no, no cramps, no hot flashes, no this, no that, you know, there's just all of these things. It's, it's just really not the threat to women. I think that it is to men. And we do have a couple comments that, um, please. super chats. Should we get to those? Yeah, please. Um, one was a bit older I'm going to go back up and I think Laura, here we go. You guys want are to, are,
1: are the talks getting worse and more blatant about shaming, blaming, and we'll get to that here in a second with two more uh, comments from by by president nelson that are but shaming blaming calling members out for not doing enough or is it just because my eyes have been open to all the deception i just can't anymore i will say once i stopped believing it the messaging became much more blatant to my ears i i was much more easy uh, much more easily able to pick it out and it was nonstop and it was constant
0: um, yeah i think it's because so much- your eyes are open it's been going on forever yeah no matter how much I, you do I, in this church, it's never too, enough. But I,
4: I also thought that like this one, and again, I didn't actually watch all of it, but just, and there's always a bunch of pain and frustration after general conference that comes everywhere, so that's normal. But I feel like there's been more this time around, especially with Nelson. Mm. Here we go. This will go with the next comment.
1: Wait, just hopping on as I smoke my blunt. Did Nelson confirm the TK smoothie? And he sort of did. Sort of Only did. G. indirectly, G. but yeah, yeah,
0: I think he knows about this. Sure he does. By the way, can I just make this comment? Joseph Fielding smith is not just making this up for no reason. He is the scriptorian of his generation. His son-in-law, Bruce R. McConkey, became the scriptorian of his generation, and that's the generation in which I joined the church and grew up. What he is doing is he has identified a problem with the plan of salvation. And the problem is that if indeed, by the way, is Alma chapter 40, verse 20, is it 41? 23 says that resurrection, remember the resurrection, remember the seminary scripture, remember the missionary scripture about um, the body shall be restored to its proper frame and no gem, no no limb nor joint, Uh, every limb and joint will be restored and even there shall not be as much as a hair be lost. That's how perfect and complete the resurrection is. So when Joseph Field E. Smith says that, he's contradicting the Book of Mormon. But the reason he goes there is because he feels he has to. Because what, what on earth is going to happen if you've got people in the celestial kingdom and the terrestrial kingdom who have sexual organs? We can say they're not married because you're not sealed in the temple, but what's to keep them from getting together and fornicating all over the place? We can't have any fornicating In the celestial and terrestrial kingdoms so therefore this is joseph fielding smith's extra scriptural and actually contra scriptural answer to that question as far as anybody who doesn't go the highest degree of kingdom in the celestial glory everybody else their resurrection is not perfect actually book of mormon didn't mention this but here's the footnote except for pps and vajayjays okay No, you're not getting those back because you proved you don't know how to use them appropriately. So that's the whole place that this comes from. And the thing that you're pointing out is not only is Joseph Fielding Smith contradicting the Book of Mormon and making this assertion, but that Dallin Oaks is contradicting it as well. And like you said, Bill, he's doing it for one political reason, right? He's doing it for the political reason of continuing to maintain space to treat those who are not within the, the perfect Mormon framework differently and less than literally in the kingdoms. Whereas Joseph Fielding Smith is trying to address a theological question, but they still both go like this ships in the night that don't pass, but actually crash.
1: I just want to note having everybody in the lower two kingdoms be androgynous again, We were pretty naughty people to get ourselves to those kingdoms to begin with. I don't think penises and vaginas are going to completely stop us from having a good time. I mean, first off, we know that, like, our blood changes, right? It's no longer blood. It's some other life force energy or whatever.
0: Yeah. spirit, man.
1: And we can't procreate. So now everybody's got a free vasectomy and a uh, free uh, hysterectomy, essentially. There's no outward parts on the front, but people do as people do a little androgyny is not going to stop me from having a good time. I'm going to, you know, unless you take away all the crevices and places, I'm going to find a way to have a good time. It's uh, I got myself to that kingdom being a really naughty, bad boy to begin with. I don't think uh, changing the rules there and making me abide them. is going to keep me out of, Keep me out of harm's way. Foreplay, I did a lot of things in uh, in high school with girls that didn't require me to do anything with penises and vaginas. And, you know, my my introduction to uh, my sexuality at times didn't involve those things. So I got to imagine a bunch of apostates in the lower two kingdoms are going to figure out ways around these kinds of things. You know, some people like feet. Are we going to take the feet away? Or some people like ears. Are we going to take the ears away? There's a lot of cool things that can happen without ever having to touch a penis or a vagina.
0: So, good point. That's why wherever you end up is going to be the happening kingdom of glory. That's yep. where everybody's going to want to be, even the people in the top. They're going to be looking down, saying, Man, I wish it was down there with Bill Real.
1: My kingdom's going to be where the party's at, my friends. So, <laughs> there's that. All right, let's get to these last two. This is um, two l- quotes here with the money line coming next, but here he sets it up. This is where I think is just guilt and shame sort of being uh, heaped on.
0: We and thank you for donating $20, to choose- Kent Miller.
1: Yeah, thank you, Kent. Let me rewind that here. wisely choose
7: to live celestial laws now. We are choosing to be resurrected with a celestial body. We are choosing not to live with our families forever. So, my dear brothers and sisters, how and where and with whom do you want to live forever?
1: That's, that's a lot of shame and guilt. Like, you can't help but go like, shit, if I don't do this Mormon thing forever and ever from not even, I don't even get a free day on my baptism day now, forever and ever, I gotta, and even when I get to the kingdom, I got to abide by these laws, like forever and ever. I lose my family. I don't get to be with them for all of eternity.
0: Yeah, that's where President Nelson went full on Guido. Yeah.
5: May
7: he have a masculine child.
0: (laughs) You know, I don't want to be mean to President Nelson. I've got a lot of respect for anybody who can live into his 100th year. And I mean that sincerely. But when he asked the question, who do you want to be with? I don't know how long ago it was that I made the conscious decision that actually I don't want to spend eternity with people like president nelson. Mm-hmm. That sounds really not fun or pleasant for me. Mm. It wouldn't coming, be heaven.
1: You're coming to the androgyny kingdoms, aren't you?
0: Oh, absolutely. And I'm going to insist on uh, Okay, no. I'm editing myself right now and let's just go ahead. Debbie, let's let's talk about Debbie Donovan who's contributed 10 dollars. <laughs> How rusty is the nail? Debbie Donovan with a saucy double entendre.
1: <laughs> rusty is the nail. It's the sure sign Debbie. It's the sure sign. So
0: yes, You've you should ask that, that to um, Wendy Olson, AKA Wendy Nelson.
1: <laughs> and then this was the money line that got everybody frustrated. I can certainly understand why. Uh, again, we have the, the, the call lines are open. I'm going to actually take that off the screen. We've got three calls in the call bank. Um, this is the line that everybody got frustrated by. And as RFM and Maven and I, as we sat back and sort of watched this, RFM, you pointed this out at the beginning of the show, there are a lot of life situations that are, for different reasons, this statement would have hurt. And you saw a few of those. I saw a few of those. But as we sat back and listened to people sharing their points of view, it showed that we had blind spots and that there actually is numerous Situations all different from each other for why this was a really unhealthy thing uh, to say. Let me, sorry, let me go back here. Sorry about that.
7: As you think celestial, you will view trials and opposition in a new light. When someone you love attacks truth, think celestial, and don't question your testimony. The Apostle Paul prophesied that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. There is no end to the adversary's deceptions. Please be prepared. Never take counsel from those who do not believe. Seek guidance from voices you can trust, from prophets, hears, and revelators, and from the whisperings of the Holy Ghost, who will show unto you the things what ye should do.
1: Uh, it' pretty easy to demonstrate that these guys aren't trustworthy, and yet that's the uh, mantra that they keep touting out there. Is they're the they're the place for truth,
0: absolutely. And this is like the place where I mentioned at the top, where a lot of people have been saying, not me, of course, but a lot of other people have been saying, this is where President Nelson went full on cult. Mm. Don't listen to anybody else who's not a believing member, equating them in the same expression with. The devil, right? Because the reason the left was because they gave heed to doctrines of devils. I know he's quoting Paul, but he's doing it very deliberately. And seducing spirits. So don't listen to anybody who's not a member, a faithful member, a believing member, regardless of how that non-believer may be situated within your own family, children, or marriage. Just believe me. That's his message. Paven.
4: I just wanted to read this quote. Um, this one, or, you know, this is a comment from Facebook. I know multiple people in mixed faith marriages that said to have one spouse sitting with their children, having them listen to their prophet, tell the world not to listen to unbelievers echo through their home was heartbreaking. Um, so cruel. Um, another comment. This is uh, Jethro says, uh, two believing members this week told me that Russell's talk damaged their testimony. And I, I know, like, it, it's 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 always underlying there when you're up an apostate that you're in the employ of Satan. I mean, it, that was that's been part of the temple, you know. And it's just really explicit for him to do it again. And and different families kind of handle it differently. Mine haven't really, to my face, uh, you know, hinted or implied that I'm I'm serving Satan. Um, but my roommate's family has um, recently. All the time before this conference, and so and that's been a huge pain point. And so for to to know that this was said in general conference when they're like actively, really having a hard time trying to keep a relationship with their parents at all, it's just like, this this just ruined it. Just it's just confirming everything all over again. And so now she's, you know, she's considering if she just needs to, either cut off contact at this point if it's going to get, if this is going to make it worse. And I, I certainly don't think it's going to make it better. So yeah, this is having a real impact. And I I feel like this is what's really, this talk is what I I feel like I'm hearing and seeing more damage done than other damaging talks in past conferences. This one seems to have just like really upped the ante and it's unfortunate.
0: And Maven, what do you think of the whiplash effect by which I mean the contrast between what president Nelson said in the last general conference? about right? loving everybody and you know, we just got to love everybody and be kind and be nice. And now oh, well, ask I think slips, he already
4: accepted his prize um, about his peacemaking prize. And uh, I don't think he's in the, in the queue for another one. So. Um, right. So he can I'm just guessing, tell the he, truth. That's <laughs> it. Yeah. Now he can tell the truth. Yeah. By and the so, way, part of the
0: deal with this is, I know people are getting very excited about it and understandably so, but on the other hand, this is just straight up Mormonism. This is unvarnished, is all it is. They're not trying to They've make it sound nicer up. than it really is. Yeah. Am I right?
4: Yeah.
1: <clears throat> I, I'll i say, too, like you're, you guys are hitting it from the perspective, and some of the comments are hitting it from the perspective of those who go like, ooh, that doesn't mesh with what my inner gut tells me about what is a healthy way to talk about people who don't believe. But I'm much more worried about the zealots. And the Orthodox members and the folks who are loyal and obedient, they hear this message. And it is just one more reason in a line of reasons to distance yourself from your uh, questioning spouse, from your uh, critical child, from your, um, you know, whether it be coworkers or neighbor, it it doesn't matter. Anybody who doesn't believe, it gives you reason to distrust them, dismiss them. and the harm that that does on the ground with relationships across a church that at the very least has a few million people paying attention is is a huge amount of damage being left in Nelson's wake,
0: yeah. maybe we could can, can we go back to or now three comments, sorry, mo, saya. Uh, to the super chat. So I could read um, that.
4: oh, yeah. Uh, I think Carrie
0: there you go. Sweet. Carrie sweet, nineteen ninety nine says, First, we were told, if in doubt, don't. Then we were told, doubt your doubts. And now it's, doubt everyone but us. Scary. Yeah, there's definitely an evolution going on. Great point.
4: And then I also just wanted to call back. To doubt your we doubts.
0: Were... Go ahead. Sorry.
4: <laughs> no, just with Laura, where she was asking, are they getting like blatantly worse? This is kind of a callback to that.
0: Yeah, Laura um... Whitfield for nine ninety nine. I don't know if I have to say the amounts, but uh, appreciate everything. It's not a competition. But um really looking forward to reading that comment there. Uh, Philip Blair says, who does Satan's payroll? Because I haven't been getting my checks. I know. He's not really a good employer, really. He needs to pay more. So <laughs> uh, that, that one with, was it Laura Whitfield?
4: Uh, yeah, we had addressed it earlier. I can go, I okay. can pull it back up on the okay. screen if you want to. But I, I, so I was just kind of calling back to it that oh, she okay. had sent that. Okay. Had, yeah.
0: Thank you, Laura. If that's the correct name, I think it is. I don't have my live chat up here. I think I've mentioned this before. It's endlessly distracting and vastly entertaining. So I got to focus on here so you guys can have your own fun.
1: And I'll just say, folks, the phone lines are full. If one comes off, you're free to try to call. We may have just taken three, though. But we'd really love to hear how this talk in particular, but conference in general, if you want, but how this talk in particular affected you and what your thoughts are about some of the damage here that was done. And so uh, I believe our first caller is Jack. Jack, are you there?
8: Yes, I am, Bill.
1: Go ahead, my friend. You're on Mormonism Live yeah. with uh,
8: with the Okay. Here. I wanted to agree with uh, R.F.M. regarding his statement about uh, Doctor Neo going full fundamentalist on his talk, uh, Think Celestial. And I had a question regarding that. Correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't Doctor Neo say that uh, if you're not married in the temple in this life, you can't be exalted? In the highest degree of the celestial kingdom and so if he's going full fundamentalist and is channeling his inner brigham young shouldn't the church now suspend temple ceilings for dead people that were born i guess after 1836 or 37 when the kirkland temple was dedicated until today especially if they were members of the church because the prophet the current prophet dr Neo, said you can't get there that's my question
0: Well, my problem is, I think that's a great point. I'm not, I don't have his talk memorized, and I apologize because if he said that, that would be a new doctrine. I think because you're right. If indeed you have to be married in the temple in this life to be exalted, why are we doing marriages for the dead in the temple? Which I think gets to the heart of here.
4: Think of that, yeah.
0: And I'm not sure that he did. Well, well. But well, that's what you opinion, heard, I, obviously. I'm,
8: I'm kind of a disaffected. I'm sort of a disaffected member. I'm I'm not out. I just don't go. But mm-hmm. I have a very faithful member is a friend of mine. I've known him for 30 years. And I had this discussion with him oh. and he defended. He defended and said, oh, he must have had a qualifier in there. And I said, when I get home, I'm going to re-listen to that talk. And then he, he he was able to re-listen to it right away. And he came back and said he did indeed say that. And there was no qualifier, but then he he did the catch all but but they all get baptized, and we can do the ordinances after they're dead. My point is that's not what he said, and he's the current prophet, and it trumps all the other prophets,
1: yeah, and I would just so say is that, that
8: a new doctrine?
1: <clears throat> it is if that's what they want to maintain. It sounds like one of those where he sort of spoke misspoke, right? like he certainly wants to leave room for the other, but he doesn't say it and I think you make a good point. It, it it would be a new doctrine if we held to that. It'll be interesting to see if the enzyme puts a correction in for that one as well. Yeah, it's a really. Interesting well, I want to movie. thank
8: R.F.M. Oh. for stating how he how he's gone full fundamentalist, and that that is honestly why I called. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you, Jack. So I'll tell you, you, guys. you know how I am. I always want to see it, and sometimes if I don't see it and I go off yes, what sir. someone else has said, it ends up being wrong. Sometimes if I see it, it ends up being wrong. But certainly taking your word for this, at least provisionally until I see it, you've got no reason to uh be making this up. And it sounds like you've already done fact checking with your friend, the faithful one. So uh very, very interesting point that you make.
1: Jack, I've got I've got one question for you though. Jack, and you you self admitted, and I don't mean this offensively, I mean it sort of just to be joking around, but you're sort of a Jack <laughs> Mormon, right? You said you don't go anymore. Um, you don't attend, but you're still um, in the roles, correct? Yeah my my question yes, sir. my question is uh, are you are you abiding by terrestrial laws and terrestrial laws will you will you be one of those that ends up with the smoothie you think
0: Jack, well Jack, and, you, said you have it, a faithful member closure. now but you may not have it for long <laughs> i understand or no, i understand but
8: yeah. um, you know, when, when you leave, when well, I didn't really leave, but when you're not attending yeah. and uh, there's been strained circumstances with the leadership, I guess they call it what leadership roulette. Um, and your life wasn't, you know, gone to BYU and got married and everything's perfect. And you're not, don't have the perfect life. When you, when you have any kind of, you know, stumble in the road, like a divorce or, you know, something bad happened in your life and you don't fit the perfect mold the church just looks at you differently and i don't even mean necessarily the leadership you know married people like to hang out with married people and it becomes uncomfortable and so you know over the years a couple of my brothers left and you know occasionally i might have a, a bourbon or something so i don't know if that's what you mean by the smoothie but i don't really i'm not really into it but you know i i i, I because i was raised in the church and like i i, I you know, I kind of, once you're raised that way, but you know, I experiment around a little bit, but for the most part, I'd probably say I'm living the terrestrial law and sometimes I'll have a bourbon.
1: Yeah. Well, I appreciate it, Jack. Uh, I'll, I'll see you there. We'll, we'll have a good time in one of those two kingdoms.
8: By the way, Bill, I'll make a recommendation for you. Get Black Ridge bourbon. It's finished in port barrels and it's very excellent.
1: Okay. I will check that out. Thank you for the recommendation, Jack.
8: All right. God bless you guys. Take care.
1: I I probably shouldn't say that because I'm, I'm probably going to outer darkness, right? I'm an, I'm an apostate.
0: You took my line. Yeah. I I wasn't going to accuse you of being a son of perdition. I was just going to say you two in the terrestrial need to remember me on all the major holidays and come down to visit.
1: Yeah. Well, I would guess that in outer darkness, I do get to keep it because that's where all the trouble happens.
0: Yeah. I'll send you a flashlight.
1: (laughs) There's enough fire there. I think I can find my way. (laughs) All right, looks like what I'm seeing here is jokers. That's and the- scrambled
0: egg. Scrambled egg says R M talk, that's Russell and Nelson, was a talk, was a desperate last act to distance family and friends in an attempt to scare people into obedience. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good summary.
3: Yeah.
1: Which may also indicate how desperate they're getting.
4: I also had a thought about this comment. It said they must be taking lessons from the Jehovah's Witnesses on isolating the non believer. And, um, I hadn't thought of this, but i I almost wondered if um is it maybe that is the direction that they're going. That's something that I always thought made us superior as Mormons. Mm-hmm. I remember especially as a missionary when people, what's the difference between you guys and those guys and you know, and to me that that hard line shunning was something that I was like, well, we would never do that. that's terrible, but i I wonder, I don't know if this is that is kind of the direction they'd like to go. maybe they're thinking that this is a. You know, maybe maybe the Jehovah's Witnesses are onto something here with this.
0: Yeah, and there's been a trajectory wow. here. This is the evolution that I just identified right now is that the church has gone from don't read anti-Mormon literature to don't look on the internet, right? We need more Nephi and less Wi-Fi. And now they've taken it to the extreme of don't even listen to people in your own family unless they're believing members. The... Strategy remains the same. it's just the scope of it has to expand because there are so many more people now, even in your own family, who don't believe it
1: It keeps getting closer to home, doesn't it? It starts off with complete strangers, those anti mormons out there. then it's the folks that you talk to on the internet, social media, other places where you see the criticisms of the church sort of in your face and now it is don't even trust the people in your own home, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Caller, are you there? Can you hear me? I can hear you. Go ahead, my friend. What's the name? Hello. Yep, you're here. What's the name? Yeah,
3: my name is my name is Matt Matt Stoker.
1: Okay, Matt, you're on Mormonism Live. What are your thoughts tonight?
3: Right. I so I have two things, uh, and I want to give you the the chance to choose one. Uh, I I would like to sing a rendition of the uh, TK Smoothie by Kermit the Frog to Rainbow Connection. And then I'd just like to share my thoughts about Russell M. Nelson's talk.
0: I'll take the Kermit um, song. Absolutely. Please. Like to, please. The stage is yes. yours.
3: <laughs> okay. All right. So I'll, I'll just, do a, just do a little bit.
0: Matt, there's 950 people watching. Someday no pressure.
3: we'll find it. The TK the lack of the genitals on me la 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 so that's it there you go
0: that's fantastic and he has exactly the range of someone who's had them removed doesn't he
1: yeah that sounded like someone. <laughs> yeah i'm it. a, like, a
3: counter tenor
0: it's like the vienna frogs choir
3: uh tk smoothness here we come right
0: that's fantastic um, I almost and want so to have then, dueling kermits between you and Bill, but that wouldn't be I, fair. I
3: like green. How are you today, Miss Piggy?
0: <laughs> oh, the smoothness is really smooth today.
3: Oh, boy. I'm All right. What was your other so, um, and and
0: thought, an easy. Hey, can you sing a few oh, lines of it isn't easy being say- smooth? Matt, would you sing a couple of <laughs> verses of it isn't it easy being smooth? It
3: easy being smooth. I mean, Living each day feels like the glass. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know much about that.
0: Living each day, the life of a eunuch. Some eunuchs are
3: made
1: uh, <laughs> eunuchs, and some are born eunuchs, and some choose to be eunuchs. For...
0: Some have eunuchs thrust upon them. Ooh, a dream come true! <laughs>
3: <laughs> All right, go ahead, my friend. You had a second thought. You said oh sure yeah no so this is my first general conference being out fully of the church and all my family is aware and um so this conference uh, this one hit a little differently and um i just thought how like tone deaf the prophet was talking about um obsessions and like addictions and like just blatantly like listing all these things as addictions that the church can help, especially in light. I mean, I know maybe Tim Ballard might have been on his mind more, but I felt like in light of the Jody Hildebrandt, Ruby Frankie stuff, you know, directly calling out like pornography addiction and sex addiction, that is something the church can handle, I think was pretty, pretty reckless. And uh, it really pissed me off.
1: Yeah, it, it certainly doesn't, seem to recognize what healthy messaging is around any of these issues Um, often making things addictions that aren't and then they become addictions often pitting believers against unbelievers but i think that divisiveness is what unhealthy religions capitalize on continually
0: and matt if i'm understanding you correctly what what you're doing is similar to what's happened with me and a lot of other people which is when they distance themselves from the church they watch general conference and all of a sudden they're hearing so much more than they heard when they were faithful members
3: yeah the 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 copium faucet is turned off and the you know the logic faucet turned on and you know it's
0: a different experience yeah and that's why this is show is titled decoding general conference So that was a great Kermit Holy. impression. We're going to have to have you back on the show and have you do a duet with Bill sometime. By the way, we're up to 951 people watching live. If everybody could hit subscribe
1: please and hit like, the like, please. Button, put some comments down below. Put it on the side. Yeah. Like,
0: subscribe. We don't ask for much, just for your firstborn. There you go. Just a few clicks will do you.
1: And we'll even let you feel worthy all the time. You can feel worthy whenever you want to.
0: Well, no, no, no. Not until you have clicked like and subscribe and made a comment. Then you may feel worthy. Look at that.
1: We're (laughs) just like the church. We're contradicting each other. All right. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. Have a great night. You too. Look at that. Kermit the Frog. Uh, All right. Last call. Looks like maybe David. David, are you there?
8: Yeah, I am.
1: You are the final call, my friend. I can't
8: compete with the Kermit the Frog. Come on, you, um, you can I wanted to <laughs> no no i I was interested in when the uh, rant by Tim went off at about minute ten he was just in the process of threatening the Mormon church he was saying um if they did do this, it was you know it's very evil, and he was said how popular he was and how popular his he was like getting, ramping up for his big threat that he was going to give toward the Mormon Church, and I'm wondering if anybody had the continuation of that tape, or what he has, because he obviously has a lot of of um, stuff on uh, Elder Pollard, and 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 uh, he can bring it out. So there's some negotiations going down right now between the church and him. I would really like to be a fly on the wall to see who's saying what. Awesome.
1: Yeah. I'm going to let you go, but we'll talk about, we'll answer kind of that idea here off the air. Okay, my friend. Thank you, David. So RFM is what he seems to be indicating is that Tim Ballard has said something somewhere that he has material that would substantiate some of these claims of his relationship with the church. Is that what I'm is that what I'm to understand?
0: What I understood was he was referencing the, the video that was being made out in front of that monument outdoors mm. when he's doing that, and he got to the point where he said, if this is true, then something evil is going on. Remember how last show we played Quaku, mm. really yep. keying on that mm-hmm. and agreeing with it. So I don't know where Quaku is. I think that what David was saying is that he expects that Tim Ballard would have a bunch of dirt on M. Russell Ballard, and therefore discussions are going on. I kind of think the church has done this, talk to the hand, the Tim Ballard. And I think that what the church is banking on, and so far, I think that they are winning this bet, is that the salacious details about all the sexual allegations and the, the couple's ruse and the sexual harassment claims and all these things that are always so much more juicy and attention-getting to the general public are going to occupy everything the entire field so that nobody has a chance to think about the dry and uninteresting business connections between M. Russell Ballard and Tim Ballard. I can think of, what do you think?
4: I'm, I'm thinking what he's referring to, and I've seen other people act, act, ask about this. And, and that is that, that clip that people have been playing all over the place with, with him, shouting it um, in Boston, that that clip seems to end early. And, and so for that, I don't, I think what everyone else has is what whoever originally recorded it put out. So he either ended the rant, which I I don't think he did, or, you know, ended recording it or he, it was deliberately clipped and, and all the public has seen is what they've chosen to give out. Mm-hmm. That's what I suspect. So I, I, I mean, I think there is probably more of it out there, but I think only the guy that recorded it has it probably. That's my
1: guess. I I, I can think of one entity that would love to cover the other lesser salacious details. You mean us? Mormonism Live would sure like to cover whatever the depth of that connection is at some point once the documents and uh, information come out, if they exist.
0: Um, That's a story that I'm interested in. I mean, I'm interested in the whole thing. This is the thing. The church connection. The Ballard and Ballard connection talk about being yoked together these two and the um the whiteboard right the smoking whiteboard with M Russell Ballard's name listed by Tim Ballard allegedly as a silent partner in this new private corporation called Slave Stealers which is going to subsume all the nonprofit corporations and funnel money from the non profit corporations into the for-profit corporation with M. Russell Ballard as a silent partner and to also help enrich Tim Ballard. Well, hmm. who else is it going to help enrich? If not the partners, silent or otherwise.
1: And and that plan might have succeeded if it wasn't for the showers and the, uh, the co-ed uh, betting situations.
0: Yeah, we'll have to find out Allegedly. what the heck is going on there. Uh, I don't know. I'm still waiting for some facts to be alleged. Hopefully they'll be forthcoming. Yeah, I want to find out what those are. I've already pointed out the the problems as I see it in the explanations that Tim Ballard has given for the couple's ruse. I think that itself is a ruse because I don't see any way that's going to work in real time with hardened child traffickers. I don't think it's going to fool them for a second. So I think that might have been a ruse itself in order to get different women down there to pose as Tim Ballard's wife. But then again, I've never been involved in this area of the world so i don't know are they really that dumb that they'll fall for that ridiculous what was it called the the spouse ruse the couple's ruse yeah i don't know i've never been a child trafficker i guess there's still time left in my life but i don't know what happens is it common that guys come down and they bring their wives with them when they want to traffic kids i don't know is it common that if you bring up a, a young person in order to prove that Tim Ballard is the real deal, by which I mean, you know, a real child trafficker as he's portraying himself to be. And if you have him, want him to do something, it's going to prove he's the real deal. And he's got his wife there who says, no, no, this is my man. This is my man. And the child trafficker is going to have to go. He's going to say, oh, OK, well, this makes perfect sense. I guess I won't have you prove that you're this real deal because your wife who's here is saying, no, I can't. And you can't. Come on. That's strange it's the old,
4: the old ball and chain thing, right? they'll They'll be like, "Oh, yeah, I get it, man. I'm married too. My wife's the same way, you, know?
0: <laughs> yeah, the wife's never gonna let you have any fun. That's why yeah, you absolutely make- good point. I, and why- once again, I don't know because I'm not involved in that, but I've been involved in enough nasty stuff in my life as a criminal defense attorney for almost thirty four years that i really just don't see this as flying i don't think anybody's going to believe this and so i think the ruse is itself a ruse and then there's the whole thing with the tattoos you know they're they're out of henna and you're going to be taking showers or getting massages and you expect these to stay in place and not wash off and why is it that you need the spanish word for oh i can't where's the beep on this i forget where the beep is I need to practice more with my new Roadcaster that has sound effects built in. But regardless of that, okay, now I'll give you the cue. Uh, why do you need a tattoo right above your unit that says the Spanish word for? Thank you. <laughs> Who's that for anyway, Tim? <laughs> <laughs> Who are you going to be fooling with that one? Hmm? Yeah. There's just so many problems with his story. And that's just the way he explains it. So that's why I have some questions about it. Still waiting to hear some facts from the other side. Their allegations. But Tim has not gotten himself off to a good start with his explanations for these unusual things, which he's admitted to. And then given weird, to me, unsatisfactory answers to them.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> it, uh, you know, here we are at the end the Ballard thing has been uh, really a a big story, bigger than I sort of thought. Like It it seems because of the movie, I think, because it got national attention because of that, Jim Caviezel playing in the movie. But all the news uh, outlets are covering it, and there's more to come. There's no doubt there are more things still being uh, kind of on the verge of being exposed here and written and published. And so it'll be interesting. Um, I'm just going to wrap up the show saying that you know, here we are covering general conference every six months, Prophet seers and revelators stand up and you watched all 10 hours. There wasn't really a whole lot in this. There were these four talks, which had some uh, interesting tidbits, but um, I just would call in the audience for those of you who are out notice maybe how empty this is like prophets, seers and revelators, how empty These men are. And for those who believe, I mean, if these are the guys you think speak to God and they're constantly contradicting themselves, constantly showing dishonesty, um, my two cents is just to sit back a little bit and rather than come to their defense immediately, of course, you're not supposed to believe the non believers, but start asking questions, start delving into the history, start reading the things that have happened, and start to ask yourself if I wasn't born in this thing or if I didn't have an allegiance to this thing, would I? would I be so quick to just assume it's the truth uh, or if, or is there a possibility that maybe I've been deceived? Maybe I've been tricked. And um, my hope is that the folks will kind of dive into what we call the rabbit hole. And um, I, I don't need you to believe everything we say. I think we do tell the truth, but I, I would ask you to put all the information on the table. Unlike Nelson who says only listen to them. I'd say, listen to everybody take the best information, go back to the original sources and you figure out who's telling the truth, not who's telling you what you want to hear. And I think those are two very different things.
0: You make me think of something Then we will go to Maven. And the last comment I want to make here is that it has to have occurred to somebody, perhaps to Dewey Waddle before he gave his talk that they're on very dangerous ground here because what he has to do is he has to tell people at the one and the same time that they have, put their faith in a present day charismatic fraud Hmm. while avoiding them drawing the connection that maybe they've also put their faith in a 200 year old charismatic fraud. Hmm. Maven, take us home.
4: I just wanted to go over the last couple super chats. Um, This one from Anthony Campbell, and I think this was talking about the kind of the shunning type of language. if maybe the results of that was what led to this kind of a crackdown. I Do not Do you have a thought on that?
0: What do you think, RFM? No, uh, let me think here. I uh, wonder if the recent survey that RFM took fueled this. I was actually planning on not saying anything else. I was just going to shut up. That was my last thought. We're getting to the end, and now it's open again. Pandora's box, Outcome come the Demons. I have no idea if it fueled this talk, which talk? The talk by?
4: Nelson, I think, was when it came up. Um, Anthony, if you want to, in the comments, I'll, I'll look for it if you clarify, but I think that's, I'm pretty sure that's when it was, mm. but um, we can come back to that one because we, we also had this one. And Sorry. It's just a comment. If you want to go ahead and read it.
0: Chow main 139 says my two car license plates are O U T R D R K. Sounds like outer dark and O U T A D R K out of dark surprise. They were approved. It's so, I'm guessing this is in Utah. It's so I can go to the outer darkness while in the outer darkness. Yeah. And you end up? Yep,
4: okay, and Anthony answered, yeah. It's like the outer darkness mobile.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, if you yeah, end so up in an outer no, no, Anthony answered. Campbell says, yeah. Aunt Nelson, don't talk to your family. Yeah. That's what he um, I'm not sure he's if, if, if there's a connection family. because that actual mm-hmm. other uh, essay or survey, by the way, I got reached out to pardon my grammar, but people associated with that essay, including one of the people who was involved in writing it, did reach out to me, and they thanked me. First off, they wanted to let me know that actually it doesn't have anything to do with the church. The church is not sponsoring it. They're doing it on their own, and I've got to be careful not to reveal things I'm not supposed to reveal about this conversation. They hope it will be helpful to the church, the results that they're getting, and I think that It is possible, and I'll put this in really ambiguous language here, that it is possible that the church has already done a similar survey but kept the results private. So they may be trying to do a survey that's public, so the results will be public. And, um, yeah, but this whole thing about don't talk to your family. He didn't say it, but he might might as well have, right? What does it mean when you're saying you're choosing, that's number three, right, who you're going to live with? forever by the way yeah. you act here
1: yeah it it ties all of your eternal happiness to who you associate with in this life um my only thing would be is if we get to the uh get to the kingdoms and it is an androgyny zone um again that's where the party's going to be so folks uh come find <laughs> me I'll, I'll i'll be in outer darkness but i'm going to find a way to get there to have a good time so everybody have a great night we'll see you guys next week Uh, hopefully we can all avoid the TK smoothie.